0: When we first took office, there was a uh, obviously a big need to revitalize the village to try to bring business back into the business uh, core. Our board did a lot of um, zoning changes that made it easier for places like Tudor Cafe to exist. We passed legislation to allow outdoor seating at restaurants which was never been allowed before on public property. So. You could always have it on private property, but you could never have it on the sidewalk. So we, we passed legislation to allow that, and we've been working very closely with a lot of the landlords, including Bob Riteni, who's here today, and Mark Smith. Unfortunately, we lost Rowdy, but uh, you know, it's important that government works with businesses, something that hasn't been done in the village in the past. It's important that we have a vital downtown that the residents can enjoy. I don't know why we have to go to Sag Harbor to enjoy ourselves. We need more restaurants. We need more nightlife in the village, more walking. And we're slowly getting that done. And we talk about these corporate stores. We can't stop them from coming. There is no law, as people somehow believe there's a law that can ban them. You can't do that. Um, they're coming because there are there is clientele here that will shop there. So we kind of have to spin the narrative a little bit. and try to get the, the corporate stores to stay open year-round. My vision is to help business as much as possible to succeed.
1: From the Express News Group, I'm Gavin Manu, publisher of the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, Express Magazine, and 2070s.com. The Express Sessions are back with a new season of conversations not to be missed, and this is The Sessions Report. The Express Sessions are presented by Rocco Carrero Wealth Partners, a Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisor for 2023, with offices in East Hampton and Southampton. Deciding the right next move in a changing market can be a challenge but the right financial advice can help you best position your portfolio to take advantage of opportunities and mitigate loss. The professionals at Rocco Carrero Wealth Advisors are committed to understanding your goals and can provide personal financial advice to meet your individual needs. For more information or to set up a consultation, visit RoccoCarrero.com or call 631-283-8482. Welcome back to the Sessions Report. Uh, I am joined, as usual, by our Express Sessions moderator extraordinaire, the executive (laughs) editor of the Express News Group, Joe Shaw. Good morning, Joe.
2: Hey, Captain. Thank you for that. I appreciate that.
1: Of course. You are good at what you do. Um, So here we are. It is the dead of winter. And last week's Express Sessions event we held at Rowdy Hall in Amagansett asked the question, can winter be brisk for businesses in East Hampton? Uh, This was an event that we planned kind of last fall with the formation of a new East Hampton Chamber of Commerce. And also when a group called the Anchor Society uh, started talking again about some goals of bringing vitality back to East Hampton Village, maybe even filling in some of the empty storefronts with winter pop-ups. You know, everybody kind of talks a lot about, uh, especially this time of year, about how we how we kind of get through the off-season months. And uh, we had a really great panel on hand. Uh, we had East Hampton Village Mayor Jerry Larson Uh, Mark Smith, who's the owner of Rowdy Hall and is a member of the new uh, board of the Greater East Hampton Chamber of Commerce. Bess Rattray was with us. She's the founder and a board member with the Anchor Society. Uh, Valerie Smith, who's a longtime owner of the Monogram Shop in East Hampton Village. And lastly, Hal Zwick, who's the director of commercial real estate at Compass Hamptons. And Joe, together, they all agreed that really, you know, there are some changes that need to come to East Hampton Village, you know, that serves as the commercial center for the larger town of East Hampton. Uh, And, you you know, we heard Mayor Larson at the top of the podcast talk about how his administrations had a business friendly approach. But we also heard a lot about uh, from both from Jerry Larson and the other panelists about how more needs to be done. You know, what were some of the takeaways that you heard uh, in terms of big picture from the event last week?
2: One of the big takeaways for me was just the reality of the situation. And it seemed like the merchants, Valerie Smith in particular, who was there uh, readily acknowledged that this is just the nature of doing business and especially retail business on the South fork is that you have nine really good months uh, and probably three tremendous months. And then you have three months of the year where you really have to struggle to get by. And that's just, the reality for most of the businesses and they acknowledge that, but there are some things and I think some real creative ideas for how to address that. And, and East Hampton village in particular, the pressures are a little bit unique um, in part because so many of the businesses that have come into East Hampton village are large chains and, and they're, they're not mom and pop type shops and they have a different economics, you know, they're nine, nine months or even six months or three months is is really all they need to be open and make their make their business. It's not the same thing as as a mom and pop shop. And of course, the flip side of this is we look at it from the point of view of people who live in East Hampton. You want a vibrant uh, business district throughout the year. You don't want to just have a great business district in three months. You want to have a place where local residents want to go in and and shop and 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 enjoy themselves at the same time. So it, it's there's a lot of competing interests here, and, and East Hampton is kind of the perfect uh, the perfect example of a place that's really struggling with this, and, and they have some real unique ideas, I think, for for trying to address this.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of nostalgia, sort of about how things used to be, and you know, but but you know, we planned this event along with a package of stories last week. Around this new chamber of commerce. And uh as things kinda go sometimes, the chamber's new director, Mary Wasserstein, resigned a few days before the event. She had some differences with the with the chamber board. Um, you know, they accepted her resignation. And thankfully Mark Smith, again the round the owner of Rowdy Hall, was there to fill us in on the chamber's next steps.
3: The short history of the chamber since I've been involved, um, You know, we had a a rough go of it prior to um, COVID. You know, the uh, chamber financially was in a big mess, and there was a group of us that got together to um, pull that situation to the point where we were financially sort of stable. We didn't have a lot of money, but we didn't have a lot of debt. Um, We had a good core group of people. Um, The chamber was starting to get momentum, and then... Like the rest of the world, you know, it sort of stopped when COVID came in. Um, And for two years, it was, or a year and a half, I would say, it's non-existence. And then with the prodding and help of the village, as Jerry said, um, and Sarah and Carrie, you know, they said, you know, what can we do to help you revitalize it? So we gathered a few of the people that were on the um, previous board and said, okay, how do we pull this together, and, you know, what do we need to do to make this chamber sort of a, a vital part of the community? Because I think there is a need, and a need not just for East Hampton Village, but I think for the other Hamlets also. Um, like Jerry said, or somebody said, you know, Montauk has a very robust chamber, So, um, but, you know, there's the Springs, there's Waynescot, um, there's Amagansett. So as we sort of regroup to... Um, reinvigorate the uh, chamber. We say, you know, I think it's really important that we encompass the, uh, the uh, town of East Hampton and, and hopefully um, we'll start to have a relationship with the new town board as we do with the village in terms of um, the village has been very, very helpful in, in, in helping us get our feet back on the ground. One of the things that the, the, the chamber never had was a welcome center. So you can imagine when we're in a resort community and there's no place for people that haven't done their homework when they come into our town to say, or to go to find out, okay, where are the restaurants? You know, where can I book a hotel? What cultural events are happening? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, hopefully the village um, has offered or we're talking about them giving us a a welcome center, which I think would be critical. So, uh, but my bigger point is that, you know, we need to develop that relationship with the town because um, the revenues that are derived for a chamber through memberships and, uh, you know, the stores, and, you know, they're limited. I think the needs of a chamber today are very different than what they were 15 years ago when the village was all owned by local people, you know, working-class people that, you know, their job was to go to their store every day with usually a member of their family or multiple members of family who were working there, and they didn't have the resources necessarily to learn about Insurance and, and banking relationships and all the things that today you really need to run a business, so um, you know. But when we look at at that time versus you know the complexion of the village today, where you have Balenciaga and you have all these corporate stores, their needs are different. They don't need that stuff. They know how to run a business. They have the banking relations. So I think it's the challenge for us will be as a as a chamber to identify those needs and sort of develop. Um, Things that members will want to participate in the members that they 're getting something out of it, in addition is the events you know I think montauk Sac Harbor they do a great job in terms of events, um, you know the village I think has you know done a great job since jerry 's administration's been in in terms of the beach concerts, I think are like tremendous, you know it draws a lot of people um, the stuff that 's going to go on in herrick park, so it 's all happening, and it was unfortunate that uh, Mary garnered her res- resignation, which we accepted. But you know, we're gonna move forward. We have a lot of support of the members and, and of the village and hopefully of the town. So um, you know, I, I see no reason why it shouldn't move forward in a in a really productive and and hopefully great manner.
1: So Joe, chambers of commerce traditionally have been charged with, you know, organizing events, hosting networking nights, pointing visitors to member businesses. But that seems to be changing uh, in today's environment. Uh, and, and there was a lot of talk about that, about bringing in, you know, the hamlets of of, of Springs and and Wainscott and Amagansett and, and including landscapers and builders and, you know, the Latino owned businesses. Uh, th- these civic groups kind of need to play a different role these days. Most people agree.
2: I thought one of the really interesting takeaways was Valerie Smith, who, as you mentioned, has the monogram shop, which is a real boutique shop in East Hampton village. And it was an opportunity to just kind of ask um, what, what works for you? What, you know, all of these events that are held in the village, um, how helpful are they? And her answer was fairly plain that, that the events and things don't really do anything for her business. And in fact, sometimes can take away from their business. And that's something we heard um, an agreement from, Uh, in the audience with another business member who was there. Now that's not to say that these events don't have value. They do. They certainly have value and they are important for a lot of different reasons, including the businesses that do benefit from them. I'm sure not every business benefits equally, but this is the real challenge that a chamber faces is, you know, from experience as a chamber president as well, putting on events is, is a huge undertaking and it's, it's, it's costly and it means a lot of man hours. And you do it because it feels like it's necessary to keep a business district vibrant and to help your businesses in the chamber. But it's interesting to me, the chambers, I think, are going to have to start looking at other ways they might be able to help local businesses. And they may be able to branch out, as East Hampton Chamber's talking about doing, into businesses that don't normally benefit from those kinds of efforts. They're the latino owned businesses for one thing is is something that's really been on the outside and sort of a parallel track and that makes no sense they're essential to to the village just as much as every other business and the chamber needs to figure out what it has to do to benefit them but it, you know i i think it's a tough spot for chambers to be in because these are these are tall orders that you've got to address here the problems that the businesses are facing Are not simple ones and they can't be solved by a parade. I mean, you know, parades are wonderful and parades are helpful and parades keep a business district vibrant, but they in themselves are probably not enough to really make a change into the nature of of doing business in these villages in the off season.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, You know, a, a little boost in business a few times a year is a wonderful thing, but. When you talk to small businesses, you know you talk about the cost of real estate. You talk about um, housing for their staff. Uh, you talk about availability of grants and capital, and uh, insurance issues that that we're facing here, and as climate change is coming along, and you know a lot of the discussion uh, at our express sessions event did go back to real estate prices, and that's why you know Hal Zwick was on our panel, who is a commercial real estate specialist, and he talked a little bit about how we got here.
2: Halswick, you've been involved in in retail locally through Bookhampton. You're a commercial. You're in commercial real estate now. Right. Let me ask you a flat question: Is have we reached a new era where the moms and pops are just at a disadvantage to the point where where it's going to be so much more difficult for them to survive in these downtown areas here?
4: It basically comes down to. I guess it started about 20 years ago. Um, the, the upscale retailers saw that Ralph Lauren was sort of the first retailer that came into town. He did well, he opened his second shop, and it basically came down to a lot of the executives or owners of retail stores, if they have a house in East Hampton or Montauk or Southampton, they saw the people that were here and they said, why aren't we here? At first, it started as almost a public relations thing. It didn't matter if they made money as long as it was public relations, they were serving their um, clientele who were here for the, at that point in time, it was 12 weeks a year only. You know, now there's a larger weekend, year-round weekend population, um, and then it basically snowballed. Ellie Tahari came in he bought seven buildings. He bought the flagship building in East Hampton at the time, put his business in, and now he's actually sold all of his buildings and closed his flagship building. But then LVMH and a lot of the European um, retailers have come in, and their prices are so high that they usually are able to make enough money during the 12 months and the shoulder seasons. You know, let's face it, we're very busy in the fall and Thanksgiving week. And um, a lot of them used to close at Thanksgiving or at Columbus Day, and then came COVID and everybody feels we're a year round community. And that's when LVMH and some others and Prada and Gucci started coming back. And I think they were in for a rude awakening this year because come Columbus Day, every week, there was less and less people here. But the the bottom line of the story is, the local people who worked hard, had businesses, owned their real estate, they decided one by one to cash out. And they worked really hard. And whether it was Rudy Driessen or other people, they demanded high money for their buildings. And the people who purchased them, who basically someone who would purchase a building for let's say, Five million dollars 15 years ago and thought it was outrageous that building is now worth 15 million dollars so no matter what it's cyclical prices go up and down values of real estate go up and down here but it is supply and demand and there's always somebody else who owns a house on further Lane or has a business wants a trophy property in East Hampton and then what we've also seen there's always people to fill them even during the recession 2009, 10, 11, when a lot of the people were not looking for year-round leases. Every store was filled with a summer tenant, and that paid the landlord's expenses for the year, even if they weren't getting the full year's rent. So the bottom line to your question is, we're probably not going back to where mom and pops can afford to be here on their own. But many retailers throughout the country are getting creative, and to Bess's idea, you form a general store. I've been in Manhattan the last couple of years recently, and they basically have these indoor retail markets, which allows um, individual stores to take 500 to 2,000 square feet, but they're not responsible for renting an entire place. And maybe we should be looking at large buildings here, or maybe when there's a couple development sites, which do exist in the village, that maybe it's the getting creative and having retailers combine their entities and having... It's almost like an indoor mall. Mm -hmm. And that's maybe what we should try to look at within the village.
2: I feel compelled to point out, Hal, that you make a point that we talk about the rising costs of commercial real estate, but just as as with affordable housing, in a lot of cases the properties that are sold at these high levels are being sold by people who worked here for a generation or more, and this is their retirement, right? And And so there's nothing nefarious about it. Oh, they've earned it. Yeah, I feel like that's part of the equation we miss from time to time, that that that's part of what creates the problem, but it's also, it's not a nefarious situation. It's somebody who's worked their entire career. Right, and, and basically...
4: People would say, and some of these local people would say, I'm not selling to an outside person. But they would come back, we'll give you four million, no. We'll give you five million, no. We'll give you six million, no. They get to seven million, they started listening, and they realized what they can do for their retirement and how they can help their kids out with that money.
1: The Express Sessions are supported by Advantage Title, a leading provider of residential and commercial title service on the east end of Long Island, throughout New York, and nationwide. With an expertise in land use and five in-house counsel, they're known for seamless transactions. Since 1987, hands-on management, state-of-the-art technology, underwriter relationships, and a commitment to being the best have set Advantage Title apart. Visit AdvantageTitle.com or contact Executive Vice President Chris Nuzzi at c.nuzzy@AdvantageTitle.com to discuss your title needs today. So, Joe, the phrase the horse has left the barn or the train has left the station kind of came up a lot during the discussion. And and this is a conversation that's happening in, in communities across the East End. So, you know. I love Bess Rattray on the panel. She, she's she got the Anchor Society and, you know, they, they, they have um, ideas from filling some of these empty stores in the winter with kind of nonprofit pop-ups or, and even a a, the, a really big plan of of having like a general store kind of home base right in East Hampton Village one day.
5: In the past, obviously we had a main street that was vital and that was true around America. Um, America's lost most of its main streets. Um, and for obvious reasons we did internet shopping is one um, but in some communities like ours there's another reason which is not the sort of blight that you see on main streets because somebody built a mega mall or because people are doing internet shopping but the main street has lost a certain kind of vitality because of its very success because of the real estate values there are communities like ours that have actually done something Um, and in particular we were struck by a group called Remain Nantucket that uh, decided to interrupt the cycle of the skyrocketing real estate values by purchasing real estate and then being a benevolent landlord to businesses that the community felt were, were lacking. In their case it was a bookstore, a bakery and some other things like that. So we reported this piece. And then because I had this feeling that everyone complains about this problem and nobody does anything, well, I just decided to go online and form a nonprofit, which is what I did, and it's called The Anchor Society. And that was two and a half years ago. Our original founding idea was that we were gonna create a general store. And we still, this is still our primary goal. Um, there are general stores throughout New England that are community anchors, and they bring not just the needed goods You know, everyone jokes you can't buy a shoelace in East Hampton, but also a feeling of community where you can linger, where you can hang out, where there's, you know, young people keep saying there's no vibe, you know, a vibe. Um, Services would be available, bread and coffee would be available, local goods, but also practical stuff. So that's our primary goal. Um, We haven't yet found the perfect spot, and we've had a lot of help with people who know about these things, because I'm just a civilian who wanted to try and do something. I don't actually know about these things. But we've had advice from people who know about real estate. We've had advice from Fred Thiel about what kind of building we'd look for if we wanted to get CPF fund money for this. So we're still looking for our home for that. But meanwhile, we have expanded. um, And one thing we started doing is we realized that there wasn't really a... Repository for information. So we've branched out into research. So our first step was we did a full inventory of all the businesses in the village. What's there? Are they locally owned? Are they internationally owned? Um, what are they selling? Because it, the problem isn't that we've got wonderful international luxury brands, the problem is that they're overrepresented. You know what I mean? The balance is off, the ecosystem is off. We don't may you know, we have a lot of beautiful swimwear stores, but maybe we need clothing for children. Anyway, so we started doing research. Right now, we're doing both sort of citizen research with these walking surveys and other kinds of things. Like, um, I have a list here of how many food services are available in East Hampton Village versus Sag Harbor. And you might be surprised by the answer. You can come ask me after her. Um Or uh, we also have um, somebody who's on our new board who um, has a lot of market research experiences doing actual qualitative and quantitative, like more scientific studies to find out what people want in the village. So general stores are one mission. Second mission is being a repository of this information for everybody, for the politicians, for the whoever, for the chamber. And the third is we're trying to do these winter shops. And that is an idea that um, Donna McDonald, who's a business owner and landlord in the village, um, really came to me with um, almost a year ago. Um, And the idea is simple. Empty stores in winter, how about slotting in a pop-up shop for the winter of a local business uh, um, or a nonprofit that could serve the needs of the community and bring people back to the village. So we're hoping to have at least five of those next winter. <laughs> There's been a ton of interest. Um, I won't get into the boring details of it all, but um, we're uh, very gung-ho on it. and We believe it can happen, and we've had interest from both landlords and potential tenants, and we'll be putting out a call for um, applications from the tenant side this month. So. Anyway, I, the final thing I want to say is nostalgia. We were once a year-round community, but it's not about going to the, back to the past. That's never going to happen. But if other communities can intervene and have a nonprofit or a voice of the community step in to help steer it towards a new future that's healthier downtown, we can. Other communities have, we can too.
1: I guess what can people be hopeful about you know in these conversations there's been there's been so much you know talk about about the the affordable housing crisis the the lack of real estate availability the traffic that's caused by all of this what, what do you think groups like the Chamber of Commerce or the Anchor Society can focus on as priorities what can, what can we do now or in the near future to help some of these small businesses Well
2: I'll say one thing this region is unique in one way and that is that it is responsive it does things this is a this is an area that doesn't really just sit on its hands when you know when we had when when everyone acknowledges the affordable housing situation has reached a crisis this region enacted a new law to tax itself and generate funds to address that that's not something that every community would do it's really uh, uh, I think it's laudable that this is a community that takes steps to address these problems in a significant way. Um, I think that there's nothing bigger right now than the affordable housing issue. This is a trickle down. It's affecting the businesses because I'm not sure how local businesses are able to balance their books based on uh, the the cost of personnel, the cost of just hiring staff. And, and trying to fix that, I think, is is. Going to be a slow going but i think everything that happens is going to be a positive step and i you know i i think it, the 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 positive takeaway from this is so many of the businesses are doing very well so i mean you know this is not a case where mom mom and pops are struggling mainly because of the real estate i think if you have a mom and pop shop in any of the local villages whether it's east hampton village or sag harbor or Southampton. If you own your property, you're probably doing fine. It's the the businesses that are really having trouble are the ones who are renting spaces, and the cost of renting those spaces just keeps going up, and that's that's an ongoing problem. Um, you know, it, it's it's a it's a thorny issue. I'm not sure there's any real simple solutions, but I do think the more we talk about it. The more I think, we close in on small solutions that can really be helpful. And I think you pointed to a couple that that you know where a chamber could help is just providing um, resources for how to address some of the day to day problems that these businesses are facing. Um, and and I think the Anchor Society uh, and and Best Rattray and and the other folks that are involved with it, they've come up with some really innovative ideas. And I think the idea of using some of these closed spaces. In the off season for something like a locals pop-up shop which is a really intriguing idea uh, has some real merit i i hope they can get some traction on the four or five businesses that they'd like to see doing this and i know that they also are thinking of trying to set up space where they can create almost a uh, variety store type of a situation that would that would involve a lot of local businesses these are just really creative ideas and, and I think if there's one thing to take away that's positive, there's a really good chance that some of these things will at least be te- be experimented with, though they'll, they'll, they'll happen. They're not just talk. And I think that's I think that really provides some momentum for trying to address the problems.
1: Yeah. And, and, there's, and there's far too many naysayers out there who hear ideas like this and say, oh, well, that's not going to solve our problems. Well, any one pro- any one solution is not going to solve all these problems. But. You know, um, you know, a pop-up shop, uh, another cafe. These sort of things bring people into the into the village, who then maybe do some shopping and bring in their family. Uh, there was a lot of talk about Sag Harbor at the event last week. Um, many of us hold up that village as 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 we know that it's extremely vibrant, it's walkable, it has lots of restaurants, cafes, and one very important thing that the villages in East Hampton and South Hampton don't have, which is a sewer district. You know, and, and we did on at the event at Rowdy Hall hear from a number of guests, uh, as well as the panelists, about how food, restaurants, markets, cafes, you know, that feeds the overall economy of a downtown. Jerry Larson spoke about the challenges of, with that, and East Hampton Town Councilman David Lease, who was in attendance, he talked a little bit about how important this discussion is and what the town will do to work with East Hampton Village.
6: My family is rooted in business in the town of East Hampton in the in the village of East Hampton. When my parents came out here, my parents were the first managers of, of Stearns and Gertz. They then moved into one of Bob's stores now where J. Crew is now, uh, and they owned uh, Fleur de Lis in the 1970s. Having two ch- children, they moved on. My mom became a teacher at the school. We curr- I, uh, I had a business on Main Street, uh, Main Street Sag Harbor uh, during the recession. Uh, you, you lose your shirt, don't lose your pants. Uh, we own business in Montauk and I own commercial property right behind here also. So, And I have four children in the town of East Hampton and I grew up on Newtown Lane for about 20 years and I live in Springs now. So I understand the vitality that's needed from uh, the village that is drived off of the businesses that it has then too. Uh, There's general obligation laws you have to be very mindful of right now with the use of community preservation funds on there. There are limitations to the amount of those funds and how you can use those funds because currently as the general obligation law sets you cannot roll those funds over so as uh, as the mayor is correct large projects like that you have to look for other grant funding also sag harbor is going through the same also currently right now then too um, i believe in what the village is trying to do i believe in what Bess is trying to do I believe in what East Hampton is needed to do also by providing services like a cobbler like we used to have I, I, we can keep going on on and on to the things that we used to have we don't have now but you need to be able to have the stores that people want to shop in also have a price point have a, a variety uh, to go into and, and I agree with Bob a lot of that comes from being able to be able to get a, a lunch or a dinner quick on there then too Uh, The town will partner, and as we have with the village, and we'll continue to do so. There's going to be some very, very tough tough conversations coming up with some of the the next actions for these next generations, if it is uh, a a treatment plant or other other funding out there. But we partner, and we'll we'll continue to look at that, just as we partnered with uh, uh, the village of Sag Harbor recently with the expansion of their sewer septic system, which, let's be honest, many people don't know that it's there. And it's right downtown in the village of Sag Harbor. Two things I would like for the conversation to go for here is um, friends of mine uh, who have since passed, used to own many properties in downtown East Hampton Village, and what they did as landlords is they put into their leases that the properties had to be open for nine months of the year. Is that something that the property owners would want to do still? So now you know you have a shoulder season, yes, everyone wants to go have a, you know, have a drink or a crone or under a palm tree and everyone deserves working hard, but is that feasible to try to develop that type of discussion with landlords and leaseholders that, yes, yeah, so you have to be open nine months of the year for the vibrancy. Second of all, I don't know in Sag Harbor, I'll have to check, but there used to be times where a lot of people lived above stores then too, um, And those stores uh, are now, they're, uh, so they're now offices. If you see people walking on the street... I wanna walk in the street with them. I wanna be able to go in the store. So how can you bring more back seed with what you have? Can you develop more um, uh, tenancies that have indiscretional money? Because a lot of times it might be single individuals or, or, or couples that have more in, indiscretionary money that might wanna be spending it at more of the local stores. That's something I think should be also looked at also. Um, I really do wish it was like the 70s and 80s still out here, but it's not. Um, there has to be changes coming. These are the discussions that bring those changes forward on there. It's not a simple answer to anyone. But that's is right, like East Hampton was busy all the time. It's not as much anymore than two. But I, I do salute what the chamber is trying to do about outreaching to the other, uh, prop, prop, sorry, other businesses in, the geographical hamlets, because we only will survive in what we want if we work together as one also.
1: The Express Sessions are supported by Adam Miller Group, a leading real estate law firm in the Hamptons, specializing in representing and advising clients on acquisitions, sales, leasing, and all aspects of zoning of residential and commercial real estate. The firm established its office in Bridgehampton in 2007 and also has a presence in South Florida. Knowledge, execution, key relationships, and dedication are the cornerstones of the practice, and the firm is known for being highly responsive and for handling every transaction seamlessly and with personal care. Visit adammillergroup.com or call 631-537-1155 to connect today. So, Joe, I guess my question is, you know, where does it all go with the sewer situation? They're they're expensive. Finding a location for the infrastructure is difficult, and in some pockets of the community, there's fears about overdevelopment. You know, but we did see in West Hampton Beach that something like this can get done, and the and that community seems to have been transformed by that project. You know, what's the what's the biggest obstacles, and and how do these how are these municipalities going to get over that hump and get get these uh, sewer districts done?
2: Yeah, West Hampton Beach is sort of a test case, isn't it? We're, we're sort of looking at it as now we can see in real time what new sewers can do. And, and certainly there's a new vibrancy in, in West Hampton Beach Village that I think has to appeal to all of the other villages that are looking at it. You know, Gavin, I think what, what's really fascinating is the biggest challenge for getting sewers into South Hampton and East Hampton is not going to be the cost. I think there's money out there for sewers. And I think these villages are willing to spend the money for the sewers. That's not the the obstacle that's going to be the big one. The big one is just the logistics of it. It's going to be difficult to find space to put in sewage treatment facilities somewhere where people will accept it. And, And one of the challenges that village officials have, I think, is to convince residents that they can live near one of these facilities and not have it be onerous in their life, that they're not going to notice smells. It's not going to be an industrial facility in their midst. Um, once the villages, they've, they've, they're going to have to figure out a way to get over that, I think. And the other challenge is with both East Hampton and Southampton Village, there are options, you know, that you have to have a fairly decent sized property to put a sewage treatment plant somewhere and the villages by their nature don't have a lot of space left to do that. So you can go just outside the village and find the space for that. But that raises new issues about whether you should put a sewage treatment plant for a village outside of a village. I think they've got to get past talking that stuff through. And I think if they can solve those issues, I think the money is out there to get sewers done. The counties got money, the state, I think there will be plenty of money, you know, and borrowing money right now for the free municipalities, although it's gone up in the last few years, obviously, is still a fairly inexpensive thing to do. Getting sewers done, and West Hampton Beach showed it, is really just a matter of committing, getting over, you know, driving through the the challenges you face and not letting them derail it. Um, Neither Southampton nor East Hampton has been able to do that so far. I think they've got to work harder to to just show that commitment to get through it and and I think the money will be there to get it done.
1: Yeah, well, that's the name of the game is is creativity and and sort of understanding what's possible and I'm going to say sho- something shocking to you. Not everybody out there is reading our newspapers and I, and I know that's a shock but no. uh I I know it's true. But uh, all the more important for these other community groups to, um, to to kind of step in there. And, and you know, you talked about uh, these water quality projects and that there's money available through the Community Preservation Fund. We now have the Community Housing Fund in play. That's going to that's going to be spending some money, both in East Hampton and Southampton towns on housing initiatives. So I'm glad we're having these discussions. You know, we're bringing the community together with their government leaders. And uh, people are going to have to understand that, yes, you know, the train has left the station in a lot of ways, but we still need to be creative. We still need to work together and help facilitate some of this positive change. So uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening. And Joe, uh, we will be back on the 15th with an express sessions event about the real estate industry, which, of course, drives our economy out here. So it's another Mm -hmm. important one.
2: Absolutely. That's it. The, the conversations, these are all conversations worth having, no question. And, and I, if I may briefly, I have to point to Sag Harbor Village, and they just recently had a conversation with their community about affordable housing. I was in that room, and over two hours, I think people sat down and were very skeptical. Having the chance to participate in a conversation really helped move that issue forward a little bit and that's how this stuff has to happen there have to be more of these conversations they need to happen and they and it's the only way we're going to find real solutions
5: the village is the heart of the town and i know that we can't go back to the old days and have lots of mom and pops again, but people are getting in their cars and they're driving to Sag Harbor. Why don't they stop the car in East Hampton? It's not that it's impossible. It's because we don't have there the things that you want on a daily basis, right? It's not that you can't have a thriving main street. Go to Port Jefferson. Go to Nantucket. Go to all these places that have a thriving main street. People drive past East Hampton to get to, obviously, to the superstores in Riverhead, but also to go to Sag Harbor. Um you know, people want to have their village back as a community place, you know what I mean? Um, So it's going to take some creative thinking, but if, you know, there's a lot of options out there, we think.
1: Thank you for listening. The Express Sessions and the Sessions Report are presented by Rocco Carrero Wealth Partners. Our session partners are the Adam Miller Group and Advantage Title, with additional support from Sabre Capital, G. Campton, Dayton Ritz & Osborne Insurance, and greenberg Traurig. A special thanks to our media partner, WLIWFM. We will see you next time at Express Sessions for another conversation not to be missed.